Hello, and welcome to episode 480 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. We have reached the halfway point of the NFL regular season. Evan, how's it going? It's going well. We just recorded the NFC team by team, about to jump into the AFC team by team, uh, the, the real conference. The real conference. Most, if not all, except the Eagles' best teams are indeed in the AFC. We'll get to all of them here today. Reminder, if you have not tried out our in-season package yet, as I said, we are at the midway point. We have reduced our prices to reflect that. There also are weekly and monthly options available. You can check those out at EstablishTheRun.com on the subscribe tab. Also, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. The Battle Royale drafts are doing their snake drafts just for one week. Ton of fun. We also have rankings for these drafts up on the site. We release those on Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night or so. Positional scarcity is so, so, so important in those Battle Royale drafts. Be sure using the rankings and fire in those up. If you use promo code ETR when you sign up for Underdog Fantasy, they will match your first deposit up to $100. Again, promo code ETR at Underdog Fantasy. Dot com. All right, Evan, on Monday night, the Ravens went down to New Orleans and got a really good win without arguably their best offensive player, or I think almost definitely their best offensive player outside of Lamar Jackson. No Mark Andrews in this game. No Rashad Bateman. They roll freaking Devin DuVernay and James Proche and Demarcus Robinson. Predictably, I guess, Isaiah Likely, shout out team preseason, leads the team in targets at 23% share, but it was just five targets. This was a very run-heavy approach. Kenyon Drake went nuts. Deshaun Jackson also made his return to the NFL in this game, 36 years old. I, for one, am shocked that he pulled a hamstring here uh, in his first game back. What do you think of the Ravens game last night against the Saints? Pretty smart and straightforward game plan when you're missing your, uh, you know, all your good pass catchers. Um, You know, I mean, they just ran the shit out of it and they did it successfully. You remember early in the season, they weren't running the ball outside of Lamar successfully at all but they've been running it pretty well mm-hmm. i think they've kind of found something that they like with um Kenyon drake uh I, you know what i was i was watching this at, at a at a bar uh last night and they put up a graphic on espn that had mark, uh, mark andrews as likely out for the season no yeah and i was like what uh no they i i'm telling you they put up this graphic hmm. it must have been a mistake yeah, but, uh, I, yeah. I, I don't think we know on Mark Andrews yet. I'm a no. little worried that it's worse than they're letting on. Yeah. But for now, I think he'll be back after the bye. But I think okay. it, there's definitely some chance it's worse than they're letting on. And I would not, I would try not to drop Isaiah Likely. Um, I understand it's a bye week. I understand carrying multiple tight ends on your roster is hard. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I would be trying not to drop Isaiah Likely no. just in case. Yeah, absolutely. And also, man, we talked about this in the last one. No Bateman for the rest of the year. They should be playing Likely and Andrews together, I think. But yeah, what do absolutely. I I mean, again, Isaiah likely looks like a wide receiver out there. I don't know why you couldn't use him as a full-time wide receiver. The story out of Buffalo was the Josh Allen injury. So this was very late in the game for those of you who didn't see it. He kind of, very late in the game, he drops back and he brings his arm back to throw it. And one of the pass rushers just kind of dings his hand up here and it pulls on his elbow. He has had elbow issues before. I think it was in 2018 on his throwing elbow it's a concern. I, I don't know if he's a lock to play this week. I think mm-hmm. most likely he ends up gutting it out. He said that he would. We'll see. The backup to Josh Allen is 34-year-old Case Keenum. Obviously, they would have to completely change the game plan and everything if they have to go to Case Keenum at any point. The 
kind of corollary with this is Gabe Davis stuff. Gabe Davis is frustrating a lot of people right now. His average depth of target is 17 and a half yards, just insanely high. But that's what we expected. His catch rate, which when a guy has an dot that high, his catch rate should be low. But 48% is incredibly low, 92nd out of 96 qualifying wide receivers. I kind of like Gabe as a buy low. People might be scared about the Allen elbow. People might be scared that Gabe just can't do it. I think Gabe is an interesting buy low right now if we get good news on Josh Allen's health. Any thoughts there? Any other thoughts on the Bills? It's just been, again, very straightforward with Gabe that either he's a dud or he's a stud, like yeah. literally every week. I mean, then, and we're only on a, on a half season sample size, even a full season sample size isn't, is very often not enough to be able to truly judge the talent and ability of a player. I mean, guys who aren't very good have big seasons all the time, you know, like that, you know, so, uh, but I, I think with him, you just have to treat him as just a straight boomer bust wide receiver too. What you also need to do is you need to give credit to the Jets defense. Yeah. Because they have been playing absolutely lights out in pass defense. And what they're doing is they feel very comfortable about their defensive front, their their linebackers and their defensive linemen being able to contain the run. So they play sub-package defense, nickel, dime, just like the entire game. Mm-hmm. And, and and they will erase your, your your passing game too. I mean, they have a lot of talented players on this defense. And Sox um, Gardner is a huge difference maker. So I actually was just looking at this and Ryan's article will be out be out tomorrow on awards. But this morning there was still Sauce Gardner plus 125 to win defensive rookie of the year. I took it. I don't really know if it's good or not. It's probably really late. I'm sure you could have gotten a way better number earlier. But Sauce Gardner plus 125, I did take. Tariq Woolen is the second favorite at three to one and then Aiden Hutchinson mm. at 12 to one. I don't know, man. I just think sauce is like making a real name for himself yeah. as one of the best players on a very good defense on a team yeah. that's six and three. And so, yeah. um, you know, he's made a difference for them big time. I, I if someone called him a top two or three or three corner in the league right now, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with him. Yep. Cincinnati. Obviously this was just about Joe Mixon. I mean, Joe Mixon did whatever he wanted. Joe Mixon, we've talked about it repeatedly. We talked about it Sunday morning again. We talked about it Friday. You know, Evan was on it. Evan was all over. Joe Mixon this week, people had a lot of concerns that Joe Mixon can't do it anymore. You know, home game against the Panthers. Okay, fine. But to go for 58 DraftKings points or whatever the hell he had is just completely ridiculous. He had 48 DraftKings points in the first half of this game. Now, would you consider selling Joe Mixon off this game because his playoff schedule is very difficult. Let me pull it up here real quick. In week uh, 17, they play the Bills. In week 16, they play the Panthers. In week 15, they play the Bucks. So not the cleanest playoff schedule for the Bengals, but Joe Mixon's role, as we talked about all year, has been absolutely incredible. He finally started to catch up with that role in terms of actual points this week. What do you think about Mixon's outlook going forward? Anything else on the Bengals? I ain't trading them. (laughs) <laughs> we're keeping him and all of a sudden his season stats look pretty good you know yeah. after one game I mean he's he's a little bit below his uh his averages in terms of his efficiency stats and and we we know that but you know he came into this averaging almost 21 touches per game you know this was just an absolute eruption spot and he did it 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 and he did it, and he did it again so um <laughs> 
No, I, 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 I'd feel good about holding on to him. I, I don't, I, I'm not a big trader anyways, you know, unless I'm trying to like get a guy that I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to give up a, a guy that like is averaging 21 touches per game in a pretty good offense. Right. And one thing that I'd say is that although Joe Mixon doesn't play on like the purest of pass downs, in other words, third and 10 or whatever, he plays on enough passing downs on enough base passing situations. And Joe Burrow is so good at throwing to running backs um, that he does like he's on pace to catch 70, 75 balls. I mean, that is a ton, a ton for a running back who isn't known really as a pass catcher. Cleveland. Clyde Edwards Hilary was Joe Burrow's RB at uh, LSU. Caught a ton of passes there. All of a sudden, he yeah. can't catch a cold in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is very good at throwing the running back position. Anyways, uh, Cleveland, um, coming out of a bye, they will play at the Dolphins. I wanted to bring up the Deshaun Watson stuff because we haven't really talked about it on here. Deshaun Watson uh, will be back week 13. He has not been with the team and has not been practicing this whole time while he's been on suspension. He's allowed to start practicing on November 14th. Today is November 8th. So next week, Deshaun Watson can start practicing again. He can start playing in week 13. I, I mean, obviously, this is going to have a material effect on the offense. Amar Cooper's been great. And Joe Goose hurt right now, but he's been great. DPJ, I think, gets a boost when Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. comes back. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Deshaun Watson's outlook week 13 through 18? I feel pretty good about it. I mean, I really like the way that Kevin Stefanski designs offense. They have a good team around him. Um, really good. Uh, and I think that David Njoku will probably be back by then too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, I would be, I'd be pretty, pretty excited. The original timeline on David Njoku was like two to five weeks or something like that. After this buy, it will have been two weeks. So we're, I think we're going to start with him projected out this week, but we will look for news on him. Denver was also on a buy. They play at the Titans as they come out. You know, we'll talk about it on Friday, but Titans are very, very difficult to run against. And I thought Russ played at least a little bit better before the buy Cortland Sutton is someone people might want to give up on right now, but I don't really have a lot of thoughts on Denver. Just offense is not something I'm overly interested in. Any Denver thoughts for you? I try not to think about the Broncos. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I think one thing to reiterate is, and I don't know what the direction of the offense is going to be. I'm not very optimistic about it. And to me, the, the, the number, well, not the number one reason, but one of the many reasons is that uh, they're number two in defensive uh, expe- expected points added. Mm-hmm. They have a really, really, really good defense, even yeah. after trading Bradley Chubb. And, um, you know, they're just going to be in a lot of really low-scoring, gross games. Yeah. Speaking of low-scoring, gross games, as we move to the Houston Texans here, I mean, on a short week, they play this Thursday game. Damian Pierce, 27 more carries on a short week against the Eagles. I mean, they are just like... Do not care. Damian Pierce, every play. The saga, the Brandon Cooks saga, I, you know, yeah. I don't want to speculate on it. My, my take on it, because obviously he signed the extension. I, they probably promised him something like if they sucked again or whatever, they'd trade him. They didn't trade him. He got pissed off. He sits out the game. They, they couldn't trade him because his salary was so big. Right. Well, Cooks should have thought of that before he, 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 he you know, signed right. the contract. I, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I don't know the details, so I don't really want to comment behind the scenes. I just know Brandon Cooks made the tweet, sat at the game. We're projecting him to come back this week. We'll see how that goes. I don't know if you've heard anything there, anything else on the Texans. No, um, I want to get this Damian Pierce offensive rookie of the year so bad, though. Um, I don't know. What's he down to? Do you know? 
sorry, Jerry is going nuts for the Damian Pierce rookie of the year talk. Uh, oh, let's go. <laughs> no, I do not. I, I do not. Uh, uh, I don't have that screen up right now. But yeah, okay. I mean, I feel like Kenneth Walker has to be the favorite at this really? point because really? he's meant more to his team winning. But I'm sure yeah. Damian Pierce is, is, is right He's going to steal it, isn't he? Yeah. Probably. He's, th- he's certainly meant more. Um, I mean, okay. But Pierce has been awesome. But yeah, Walker's been incredible too. Hang on, I'm getting it. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Damian Pierce. Oh, man, Kenneth Walker's the favorite now. Plus 110. Damian Pierce, plus 190. Ah, okay. Yep. Long way to go. Yeah. Uh, Colts. Colts fired Frank Reich. Um, and this was after they benched Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger. If I didn't know any better, I would say they're putting the tank on. Um, and I, it's hard to blame them. After losing... Andrew Luck, they have gone uh, through so many quarterbacks every year, washed up veterans, guys who can't play. I don't blame them for tanking to try to get to one of these top quarterbacks, which is allegedly an amazing quarterback class. That said, it's a problem going forward for this season. Jeff Saturday is going to be the coach. They have no play cards. They just hired some guy to call plays that I've literally never heard of in my entire life. And on top of that, Sam Ellinger played one of the worst quarterback games you could possibly play on Sunday in mm. New England. Obviously it was a tough spot, but man, Ellinger was a disaster. I, even for Jonathan Taylor, like how could you even be optimistic about Jonathan Taylor when he gets back from his ankle injury? It's really hard to be optimistic on anything here. What do you think about what's going on with the Colts? Um, I listened to Zach Kiefer, who you've mentioned a, a few times. He, uh, well, he, he wrote for the uh, Indian, Indianapolis Star for a very long time. Athletic poached him. He's an excellent, excellent um, writer, you know, and researcher and journalist. And, you know, we, we, we kind of alluded to it like two, three weeks ago that Jim Ursay was like becoming very meddlesome. And I mean, Zach Kiefer had alluded to it at that time, but he didn't, he kind of had to play his cards there because, you know, he kind of needs to, um, he kind of needs to stay, you know, friendly with Chris Ballard. He needs to stay friendly with Frank Reich. He needs to stay friendly with, um, you know, the owner, Jim Ursay. But now he's just like, I mean, he put an article today, just like, you know, this is exactly what's happening. Jim Ursay is meddlesome. He started to become meddlesome uh, last year when uh, after they blew the season against the Jaguars and the Raiders in the final two games. And he was just like, all right, Carson Wentz is out of here. That was Frank Reich's guy. Now, Carson Wentz didn't play, obviously play that, that great. But, I mean, he did have 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and he was Frank Reich's guy. And at that point, Frank Reich started to lose ground in the, let's call him the, the, the triumvirate of power in Indianapolis. And now Jim Ursay has, like, grabbed control of that triumvirate and it's not a triumvirate anymore mm-hmm. frank Reich got fired jim ursay is kind of like going on tilt mm-hmm. right now and um he's like uh, one of the most active owners uh in the nfl right now does he have some great master plan to tank to get them the number one overall pick i, I suppose that that's maybe in play i think it was kind of weird that they traded naheem hines when jonathan taylor was hurt yeah you know um but I, this team is not – their offensive line – this is something that Zach Kiefer really, really touched on is that their offensive line went from, like, the best in the league to, like, literally one of the worst in the league. Yeah, real fast. Yeah, real, real fast. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really problematic for Jonathan Taylor, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Taylor does not play that much in the past game. He relies so much right. on touchdowns. He relies so much on volume, and you can't do that when your team sucks. Like, yeah. it's just not going to work. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Jacksonville. I mean, Travis Etienne, we said last week on this show, I mean, they're going for it with Travis Etienne. They're going for it with Travis Etienne. 52 carries and five targets in the two games since the James Robinson trade for Travis Etienne. And, you know, he looks really good as a runner. I think a lot of people thought his calling card would be pass catching coming out, but he's been really good as a runner, much better as a runner than he's been as a pass catcher. Also in this game, I thought Trevor Lawrence played a really, really strong game here. Did lose Evan Ingram briefly to a back injury. Sounds like Evan Ingram is just day to day though. What do you think of Jacksonville? Yeah. I mean, this was, um, you know, they fell down uh, early, but I mean, they, they climbed out of it and they're, they're still a pretty young team. And I think that um, a lot of people's uh, concern, because there was some concern that Christian Kirk had not had big volume games in recent weeks. He had a big volume game and he played really well here. And he kind of reasserted himself as the Jaguars clear number one receiver. Zay Jones had even had a decent game, five for 40 on five targets. Um, Evan Ingram has never played well hurt. So I'm going to probably be backing off him. Uh, But yeah, I mean, really, really nice all around performance from a team that, you know, the Jaguars, they started out real hot and kind of tailed off. And I mean, they, you know, the, if, if they're going to be a competitive team, you, you got to, you got to win this game. And they did. Yep. Kansas city. Um, Canaris Tony made his chiefs debut. They got off like 101 snaps or something totally insane. Did the chiefs in this overtime game against the Titans. Canaris Tony was only in for nine of them. He only ran six routes, but on the positive side, he did see two targets. On his six routes, he caught both of them for 12 yards. I think the issue with Tony is that Hardman and Juju are playing well right now. And MVS has a role as like this field stretcher. And so where does Kadarius Tony fit in? I'm not mm-hmm. sure it's a big role anytime soon, but mm-hmm. there's could always be injuries. He could always earn more time, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think of Tony's debut? Anything else on the Chiefs? It becomes harder and harder for me to be optimistic about Curious Tony for as long as McCole Hardman is playing well, yeah. which he's like doing. They also like to play Justin Watson, who's got, you know, pretty good hands generally. Um, uh, you know, and they've got, you know, a bunch of other dudes too. Like, you know, so I, I just, I don't know where Kadarius Tony's going to fit in. I, I think that, you know, you, you, you have more hope for him here in best ball still. Um, but I just I, I don't I don't know where he's going to fit in. I, bar, I think you almost need an injury to another guy, like yeah. like an injury to Juju. That could put Kadarius Tony in position to be a big time factor. Agreed. Uh, speaking of factors, Kadarius uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire just seventeen snaps in a game they ran one hundred and one plays. I mean, you know we've talked about it. It's hot hand, but clearly they like Pacheco plenty as a runner and they like McKinnon plenty as a runner and a receiver. And so CH is just getting squeezed out Raiders. You know, they Devonta Adams on tilt. I mean, he, he had some quotes where he was throwing Josh McDaniels under the bus and I tweeted mm-hmm. them on Monday. If you want to go back, if you guys want to go back and find the article, I mean, Devonta Adams was like, I had a hundred yards in the first half. He was absolutely shredding. No one could stop him. In the second half, they just go away from him. I get that there's adjustments made in the second half and maybe credit to Jacksonville's defense there. But man, Raiders are now two and six. Their only wins are against the freaking Texans and the Broncos. And now they've tied up their cap and blown all their picks to get Devontae Adams. I mean, it's it's 
a mess right now mm-hmm. for the Raiders. What do you think of their latest loss this time to the Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, I, we talked about it on the NFC pod. I was like, yo, Devontae Adams like going to get 200 yards, like no problem. Yeah. You know, uh, but he, yeah, I think he had uh, either one catch or zero catches in the second half. Yeah. And he wasn't he happy one, about it. I think he had one catch for zero yards or something in the yeah. second half. I, I didn't see those quotes. So I'll have to go back and look. Yeah, he basically like was like, what are we doing? Like Josh, like like he was like throwing McDaniel in the bus. Like, what are we doing? Like, what were we doing in the second half? You know, and and yeah, I think it's a fair question to ask. Chargers. I mean, what a setup for Josh Palmer. We talked about it all week last week, but what a setup for Josh Palmer. No Keenan, no big Mike. They're playing Atlanta. They're in a dome. Josh Palmer actually came through though. And so I think for the people that say Josh Palmer can't do it, Josh Palmer can't play. It was a really good game for him. Gets 23% of the targets, 8-1060 for Josh Palmer. For this team to be truly explosive, though, it's very clear they need Big Mike. They need Keenan out there. I'm just not sure those guys are going to be back anytime soon. What do you think of the Chargers' narrow win in Atlanta? Yeah, and you know, we talked about this a little bit before the season that they just don't have any speed on offense. Like they don't, and, and they play like it too, because Justin Herbert continues. I don't know if Joe Lombardi is the answer at offensive coordinator. You know, I'm starting to work. I'm concerned about that. Justin Herbert still has one of the lowest a dots in the NFL when he's like, you know, one of the best, most skilled downfield passers in the NFL. Um, you know, and even when big Mike comes back and she's a big receiver coming off a high ankle sprain. I don't know, man. Keenan Allen, let's like, he's been out since week one. like With aggravations, repeated aggravations for Keenan Allen. I just, I, I don't know. Yeah, no bueno. It's, it's, it's fun for Austin Eckler and like for like nobody else unless everybody gets hurt and Josh Palmer's the only guy to throw to. Yeah, I mean, Austin Eckler's floor-ceiling combo is just absolutely preposterous, preposterous. Yeah. Dolphins, uh, another shootout for the Dolphins. I mean, this is becoming a theme. And, and when the Dolphins get into shootouts, and it's going through two guys. It's just so, so, so valuable in DFS. The surprise was, to me at least, I thought Jeff Wilson would eventually force a 50-50 timeshare with Raheem Mostert. I didn't think it would happen three days after he joined the team, even though I get that he played for Mike McDaniel mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Jeff Wilson steps in and outsnaps Raheem Mostert in the first game, 28-26. to Also, 12-11 in favor of Jeff Wilson in opportunities. 13-12 in favor of Jeff Wilson on routes. I mean... Jeff Wilson immediately, three days after joining the team, was slightly ahead of Raheem Mostert. Certainly bodes well for him going forward. What do you think about that split going forward? Anything else on Miami? I think it should be an even split as it was in this game. Although I haven't looked at the participation. I'm just looking at, you know, the the touches and, and things. Um, I, I think it should continue to be a, a perfect 50-50 split. Yeah. I think that that's that Mike McDaniel agrees. Both guys have had several years inside of this offense and um 50 50 split going forward i i wish somebody would start to pull up the two and on uh uh <laughs> tweets from from i mean like this guy's like like two is good yeah. you know he's good he's really accurate he's poised in the pocket we have to see can he hold up over 16 games you know that sort of a thing but i mean he's like an awesome fit for the offense um in the short to intermediate he is absolutely deadly and obviously he's propped up by the receivers, but he's playing right. re- remarkably well on his own. He's an every week fantasy starter at this point. Oh, I mean, all my best best ball teams are two a teams, you know, nice. all, all of them. Uh, uh, you know, that's like that's one of the keys to best ball this year is being on the two a Tyreek or two a Waddle stuff, or ideally 
uh, both of them. By the way, uh, people keep accusing me and sending me stuff that I look and sound like Mike McDaniel. Guys, I take that as a compliment. This guy is the king, okay? So keep sending me the Mike McDaniel stuff. I, I love it. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, Mike McDaniel, coach of the year. It's such a great race, man. I mean, how could it not be Nick Sirianni? But, uh, yeah. you know, and we'll see what Brian Dable can do the rest of the way. But coach of the year is an incredible race. This it year. Is. I mean, there's so it many is. guys that that deserve consideration. Um, Robert Saleh, I think, deserves some consideration. But yeah. Um, by the way, Tyreek is now on pace for 143 catches and 2,085 receiving yards. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous, his role and what he's able to do out there. New England. This one was frustrating, man, because uh, obviously I played Ramondre in DFS. I had all the overs on Ramondre props because I had a feeling that Damian Harris was going to be out before it was announced. And then they get in there, and there was a lot of J.J. Taylor, man. I kept looking up, and it's like, J.J. Taylor carry, J.J. Taylor carry, Mm -hmm. J.J. Taylor carry. I was like, I can't have this, man. I can't have it. And I had it, and it was really, really frustrating. Ramondre still had a good game, but not an elite game, which was tilting what you see out of the Patriots blowout of the Sam Ellingers. Yeah, I had similar thoughts about the backfield. Um, To add to that regarding New England, I mean, I just – is Mac Jones good? Um, Because he hasn't been very good in like a 12-game stretch. Yeah. So I just I don't know, man. I, I and and we get questions, every, you know, every Sunday morning it seems like about Tyquan Thornton. Yeah. You know, this passing game is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 Ramondre and then a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. In the offense, I mean, sometimes Jacoby Myers. Right. Jets. What a win for the Jets, man. I mean, this is an all-time win. I, I don't care that you know they were at home and Josh Allen got bad. Whatever. All-time win for the Jets to beat the Bills here as like a, I don't know, what were they, 11 or 12 point home dog. Garrett Wilson is legit, man. 1.91 yards per route run with Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, that very is good. Very, very, good. very, very good. The Elijah Moore stuff continues to be total dust. He only ran 14 routes in this game on 29 dropbacks. You know, even with Zach Wilson out there, I still feel pretty good about Garrett Wilson on a week-to-week basis we did see james robinson start to play a little bit more which isn't great for the michael carter stuff but we knew that was coming what do you think of the jets big win over the bills yeah i mean i don't i mean i think you pretty much summed it all up uh i would say that with zach wilson like they're they're still just kind of they're trying to play around him you know he's the ultimate hide the quarterback but they've been able to do it i mean i don't know how they've how their offensive line has held up like it has after all the dudes that they lost but I would give the maybe think about giving the first credit for that to Mike LaFleur. Their running game has been good even without Brees Hall. Um, these young receivers have stepped up in spurts. Um, and the defense is awesome. So yeah, I mean they're 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 a legit fun team. I mean, I, I think the Jets are uh, you know, and I was watching I, I was listening to Around the NFL with um, you know, Dan Hanzeus, who's a Jets fan, is just like on cloud nine right now. So the Zeuser. <laughs> Uh, Pittsburgh was on a bye. They'll come out of their bye to play the Saints. Obviously, it's a good spot for Pittsburgh, at least from a rest perspective. Pittsburgh had the bye. Saints are on a very short week here after playing on Monday night. But I don't know what to say about Pittsburgh at this point. I mean, the Najee Harris, Jalen Warren stuff continues to be a topic of conversation, Mm -hmm. just hammering home how bad it is to take a running back in the first round. I mean, just absolutely egregious pick there by the Steelers, which is not hindsight because everybody with a brain said it. At the time, anything for you on the Steelers as they come out of their back? 
Um, we'll be looking at him, you know, just to see what's going to go on. Because Chase Claypool was playing a lot of snaps. Yep. I think that Fryermuth could benefit from that. Um, you know, always keeping track of George Pickens. He had a really difficult matchup in their their game before the bye against Philadelphia, right? And um, yeah. and uh, he, you know, he didn't do anything, but we kind of anticipated that. Uh, when he gets better matchups, like he's going to be a, a legit good like wide receiver three in season long and a, a legit good DFS play as well. Titans. I mean, I want, I, I'm rooting for Malik Willis, man. I, I'm rooting for him. I don't mean to like be too negative on him. I mean, he is nowhere close to being no. a thrower at the NFL level in this game. He went five of 16 for 80 yards, took three sacks and he's not even like running very much. That said, the Titans still had a very, 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 very good chance to somehow beat the chiefs in Arrowhead, what do you think of the Titans game against the Chiefs this week? I just think that Mike Vrabel is like one of the best coaches in the NFL. And uh, they were the two seed last year. And they're going to be like the four, they're the four seed if the season ended today. Yeah. I mean, they, were the, they, were, they were the one seed last year. Or no, they were the one seed. That's yeah. right. And, and they're the four seed right now. Yeah. So, I mean, they just, they're able to out overperform like dramatically. I mean, they're out here with dudes like, I mean, like you said, Malik Willis is not an NFL passer right now. Uh, Okonkwo, you know, this dude's out here making plays. I mean, they they really do a good job coaching their dudes up, and Derrick Henry is just an absolute monster. Yeah, hopefully you guys saw that video that yeah, I yeah, that, uh, that I tweeted. I mean, <laughs> so it's like literally all Vrabel wants them to do is know the play. Everybody on the team knows the play right. and hand it to Derrick Henry. That's, that's the game plan, and it works. That's the yeah. crazy part, and it still works. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What a world. Okay. That is going to do it for the AFC team by team pod. Appreciate you all being here. If you have not hit subscribe yet on our YouTube page, we'd really appreciate it. If you did, we do have a goal of 30,000 YouTube subscribers before the NFL season ends. Some people have asked what happens. If we don't get to 30,000 YouTube subscribers before the end of the year. I'll actually have to murder Silva uh, on stream. So be sure that we get to 30. You're selling my, my share of ETR. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for Evan, for producer Luke, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.